It's like, I think that if someone would, would have told me in the beginning that this program existed, I think the stress would have been lessened a little bit because I would have been able to sit back and say, okay, I can still kind of do that. I can take care of my child. I can be paid to do that. I have a team. If, if I need assistance, I would have that. Welcome to the Unforgotten Families podcast, a driver of change powered by Team Select Home Care. This podcast was created to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of medically fragile families and provide these resilient individuals with an action-oriented community of hope, inclusivity, and compassion. It's our hope that the information, resources, and stories we share will inspire and empower you to join us in advocating for these families and help to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hello, Tough Advocates. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Unforgotten Families podcast. Today, we're grateful to be speaking with Maggie, who is a newly trained parent CNA in Pennsylvania. On this episode, we're going to learn about Maggie's son, Benjamin, hear about Maggie's journey becoming a parent CNA, and how this program in Pennsylvania supports Benjamin, her family, and the community at large. So Maggie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> First, I would just love to just connect with you and, and hear about your son, Benjamin. I'd love to know more about Benjamin and your family and give you the space to, to share. My husband and I have been together since high school. We had Benjamin in May of 2021. Everything with my pregnancy was perfect. No red flags or anything like that. When he was born, everything was perfect. And then shortly after we brought him home, I started noticing some strange things that he was doing, which were dismissed, unfortunately, by quite a few pediatricians. I got a neurology referral and we saw neurology for the first time when he was four months old. And on the spot, he was diagnosed with microcephaly and epilepsy. Um, and low muscle tone. From there, we did genetic testing and we also did a brain MRI. So the brain MRI came back with a long list of brain malformations. And then the genetic testing came back as a tub one a mutation. It was quite devastating. It was really shocking, but it's been a year since then. And I feel like we've come really far. How does it feel like when you get that news, you, you know, feel like everything's going just smoothly and then get that news? How does it feel when that all comes through? Honestly, it was like the most devastating time of my life. I didn't even know that this was possible. I did obviously worry that he was having seizures, but anything I ever heard was a lot of times children can grow out of them. And I was really hoping for that, but that's not the case for us. And that's okay. He's overall doing really well. And he brings me more joy than anything ever has in the world. So I knew we have a lot to be grateful for. And that's what I try to focus on. And it's all the positives. That's beautiful. What would you say is one of the biggest lessons you've learned from Benjamin and the time you've been with him? Definitely how to focus on the positives and just how to be grateful for everything. Last week, he found his foot and started playing with this foot. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's so cute. It's taught me a lot about how to just focus on the positives. That's beautiful. I'm grateful for that too. And that reminder. So thank you, Benjamin. I think Benjamin's are around a year and a half old, you said? Yeah, mm -hmm. he's 17 months. So tell me about your journey to today. I know that you're brand new to becoming a CNA and brand new to this program. I'd love to hear about your journey from finding out this news, what your life was like leading up to 
becoming a CNA and, and how you found out about it in general? In the beginning, everything was kind of thrown at us. It was very overwhelming. I feel like it's just been like a year of just learning things, new things and adapting and things have calmed down a little bit. The newer things are easier to adapt to and, and learn about and everything. But honestly, I mean, like I didn't even know, like I said, we're new at this in general. It's only been a year since his diagnosis. So I didn't even fully know that this program existed or that parents could become paid caregivers for their medically complex and disabled children. It wasn't until over the summer, a friend of mine who actually works for Team Select reached out to me and told me that this was passed in my state and sent me like the link to the Team Select website, told me to look into it. And so I filled out a little thing on the website. Someone contacted me and that was in July and we just started services a week and a half ago. That's amazing. I'd love to jump back to the moment that your friend calls you. How did it feel? Like, what were you thinking when that call came in? Well, I hadn't talked to her in a, quite a while. And so I'm like, oh, this is like interesting. I don't know if I didn't want to get my hopes up. It was very exciting to hear about. I kind of was like, okay, let's just like take this one step at a time and see where it goes. And it was kind of a little bit of a process from then until now. But I mean, I am so grateful that she reached out to me because if she hadn't, I still would have no idea. So you got the diagnosis in around four months in. Now we are here today. You got this call from your friend that said, hey, this program is available. Can you talk a little bit about what the training has been and what the process has been for you becoming a CNA? So I think the first thing that happened was someone from Team Select came out to my house. We did a little bit of paperwork, nothing excessive. I think it was like two different background checks. I had to get fingerprints done. I had to do an in-person like learning. We reviewed a lot of paperwork that I had gotten previously, which to me was all common sense caregiving type stuff. It was pretty easy. And then I had to do virtual lessons, which you can do them at like your own fee. Like each lesson is separate. It took me about two days, two, three days to complete everything from medical laws to infection control in the home. Once everything was complete, they came back out to my house and we did a little bit more paperwork, got everything started. And then we were able to start care. That was from like July until the end of September. Like, is there anything that came through that you learned about maybe it's infection care or things like that in the home that have been helpful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that anything like that is good to know in general. Oh, I, I left out. I did have to get CPR certified. I forgot about that. That was very good to know in general. I think everyone should just be CPR certified, but I think the CPR and, and learning how to do like the Heimlich and everything was, I think the best thing for me to learn. I, I think because the paper stuff, it was all kind of common knowledge in a way to me. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about the care that Benjamin needs on a daily basis? Like I said, he's 17 months old, but he's physically very much like an infant. So he's completely immobile, which isn't super difficult now because he's small. But I know that as he gets bigger, that's going to be more difficult. Um, so I have to change his positions. We have to do therapies. He has physical therapy. He has speech feeding therapy. He has vision therapy because he's visually impaired. It's a lot of therapies. He does get medication for his seizures. It's a little bit less really medical stuff for us right now, at least. But just being that he has all of these disabilities, it's specific stuff that I've just kind of gotten used to. 
How does it feel before you had this program and before you were CNA, you probably had your therapy visits, you had your doctor's appointments. I'm sure when there's an issue, you call your doctor. Has it been helpful to just kind of have a, a team with you and, and know that there's someone there? Truthfully, I don't think we've gotten to that part yet. Like I said, it's only been a week and a half. That's true. So luckily, I I haven't had to reach out to them for like uh, medical stuff yet. <laughs> Definitely good to know that I have uh, you know a team available. It's really good to know because doctors can be kind of difficult to get a hold of. Can you talk a little bit about how you can see? the ability for you to be the caretaker, to be a benefit to Benjamin and how you can see it being a benefit to your family? The fact that I can stay home with him and I don't have to worry about like finances as much, but like that aside, I can stay home with him. I can be present for all of his therapies. I know that like sending him, I wouldn't be able to send him to a normal daycare, but even sending him to a medical daycare, I mean, the cost for that is probably astronomical. Also kids get so sick when they're in daycares and everything, and even probably having a nurse come to the home just because they're, you know, around other people. And so I think that kids who have parent caregivers, they're less likely to be hospitalized because that's another thing when you have a medically complex child a common, the common cold can affect them. Like, I don't know how many times worse than a typical child, but like, I know a lot of kids with his diagnosis that they have to be hospitalized for days and days just from the common cold. So, I mean, health wise, and just no one knows your child like you do. He's really young. Can't say that he's nonverbal or anything like that yet. I do expect him to be nonverbal. He's able to communicate with me now. And he understands things that I have to say, but it's, it's like very specific. And I feel like it would take so long for anyone to be able to understand his needs. Yeah. Cause if you think about it in, in your state and in Arizona and Colorado and New Hampshire, this is available. The other side of it is in some cases you would be in the same scenario and your options would be to bring someone into your home for those 50 hours and then you would either maybe go find a job or you'd be there with them. Or like you said, you can put them in like a medical daycare or or some people have a more extreme situation where they'd have to put them in a facility. And so thinking about that as a benefit is, you know, a really beautiful thing that other people wouldn't be able to have. Yeah. And, and I definitely have... I don't want to say trust issues, but I only trust like two people with him. That's, I don't know. It's a big thing. I, I'm just so grateful that I don't have to worry about having to find a job or having to put him somewhere, having to have a stranger come into our home. And I'm very grateful that I'm able to stay home with him for so many reasons. Yeah. Cause if you also think back to that moment when he was four months old and you get all this information, I'm sure all of these things come to mind. Like, am I going to be able to provide for Benjamin and all of those things come and how do you see this benefiting all of those thoughts that may have come up back then? When we were given his MRI results, they told me kids like Benjamin can't walk, can't talk, can't eat, can't even really communicate. If they need something, their caregivers just have a feeling like, I mean, I picture just this child that is confined to a bed or something let me just add, I was also going to school for nursing. So then I'm thinking, 
how am I going to be able to have a career, have like a life, have more kids? Like it was really scary. Now doctors don't know. They can't tell the future. They don't, they can't tell you how your child is going to be in the future. But I mean, and there's a whole spectrum of where things can go regardless. Like, I think that if someone would would have told me in the beginning that this program existed, I think the stress would have been lessened a little bit because I would have been able to sit back and say, okay, I can still kind of do that. I can take care of my child. I can be paid to do that. I have a team. If if I need assistance, I would have that. If you think about this too, and and let's say you're in Texas and you have the same scenario, there's actually laws against parents being a caregiver. Luckily, you you are still able to provide for your family, but some people will have to put their careers and their life on hold to take care of them. And they're not able to be paid to do it. And so it's really difficult to like balance a job. You know, like you were saying, you would have a hard time finding a caregiver. And if you have someone there that you finally find someone there that's that you trust, and then they decide they're no longer doing it, kind of throws a whirlwind into everything. I didn't know that there were states that had laws against parents being caregivers. I think that's kind of terrible. I don't really understand why that would be. I mean, I've heard people will say, well, why are we going to pay a parent to be a parent? But it's completely different. And honestly, I don't really understand that there would be any cons to this. I mean, right now there's, I've heard that there's a nursing shortage. Obviously there's a lot of benefits to keeping parents in the home with their children, but also like when it comes to even paying the parents, it's a lot cheaper to pay a parent caregiver than it is to pay like a licensed RN or something to come out to the home. It's really devastating that there are still so many places that don't accept this. Yeah. And it really comes down to people not knowing and seeing and feeling what it looks like. And it isn't, you, you aren't being, I mean, yes, you're being a parent, you're always being a parent, but the, the level of care that kiddos need is a CNA or a nurse. And so if the parent is a registered nurse or a CNA, then why not allow them to be that caregiver and not deal with all the other things that it adds when you have to go find a job and and to, to take care of your family? And like just adding on to that, I mean, I can speak from our experiences like Benjamin is in therapy multiple days a week. Benjamin has doctor's appointments all the time. You can't take off work like all of these times and and to be able to take care of your child and also like keep your career. I don't think there are many employers that would be okay with that or understand that or if you can't be at work all the time like it's you're not going to be able to keep your job. Absolutely. What would you say to parents in other states that don't have this ability and I know you are new to it and, and it's all fresh for you but like even in your initial understanding of it and from what you're saying so what would you say to them about the program and like what they can do I would say to reach out to your community not like your community where you're living but maybe like a specific community of parents of medically complex and disabled kids whether it's a Facebook group or something else reach out on there and start asking about it I know there are organized groups in different states that are specifically advocating for this. So if you're able to find them or find some sort of group, just ask how you can get started, how you can advocate. I mean, I really don't know that much about it because like I said, we're really fortunate and I didn't even know that this existed. Like I said to you before, it's like you didn't know about it. And so just think about there's other families, even in your state that 
are in the exact scenario that you were in, whether their child is a year and a half old or six years old. And sometimes it takes them to hear this to be like, wait, I didn't realize this was even possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've already been posting about it on Instagram and stuff. I'm, I really, this community has helped me so much since the diagnosis and everything. So I've tried to be really involved that way. And I have been already talking about this, like on social media and a friend that I have that her son has down syndrome. She is in the process of doing this with team select as well. So, so yeah, I mean, I just think that it's so amazing. Everyone should know about it. Well, thank you for doing that. Cause by just letting people know, I mean, it's going to change their life and, and you don't know in what capacity and some people it's more and some people it's not as much, but even just the idea that you are being able to provide for your family and have extra money to give towards Benjamin and that you don't have to have strangers coming into your home, which sounds like something that doesn't feel in alignment for you. That's what's beautiful about this is like that family is life is going to change because you just let them know about it. I'll probably continue talking about it. I mean, it's everyone should do it. I just think it's so amazing. It's so amazing. I agree fully. You know, I don't know if you know my background. I used to run Team Select way back in the day. Um, oh, wow. Like I was the first employee of the pediatric division and I got firsthand experience. And I feel like there was, and I've said it on here so many times, but there was a Garrett before I cared for medically complex children. And there's a Garrett after because I learned so much about life and compassion and understanding. And I know how much you know, like even you in the year that you've been caring for Benjamin, like you have changed probably way more than you even understand. And you were explaining how you have gratitude and you were also explaining how you've learned to like adapt. And I think that's another huge thing. You don't even realize how much you've adapted and and learn and learn to take really difficult information and and learn how to shift that and be like that doesn't have to be our story or whatever it is. And so I just feel like any any extra help is appreciated and I don't think this program is for everybody, but like I think that if you want to do it that you should have the ability to. 100%. Yeah, I know that I mean for some parents they might prefer to have that independence, I guess, and, and go out and still have their career. And I mean, of course, who you can't blame them. They should be able to do that. And they should be able to have care in the home still and everything. But if they decided, no, I want to be home with my child, they should be able to do that too. Right. Cause they're taking over care. They're not just being a parent. They're taking over the care that the state that needs to, to provide. And it is like you said, it's a lower cost than hiring someone outside or an RN or an LPN. My last question for you would be, what are your hopes for Benjamin? I want him to be the happiest boy in the whole entire world. I want him to feel loved every day. You know, it's funny, like when he was first diagnosed, I was like, there were so many hopes where I was like, I want him to be able to walk. I want him him to be able to do like all overcome all of these like physical hardships that they were telling me that he was going to have. I want his vision to improve. I want all of this. And, and now it's more so like, I've kind of let that go a little bit. And I'm like, I just want him to be, continue being the happiest little boy that he is. I want him to feel so loved 
I want him to just be content and comfortable. And I mean, if he does sit up on his own, if he crawls one day, if he can walk, even if it's not independently, like, of course we will celebrate that. Um, that would be like so amazing, but no, it's more so that I want him to just be happy and just feel so loved. Well, I know that's going to happen if you're his mother, because I can feel that. And I know that he will feel that. And that's what's most important. Thank you so much for joining. And I do also just want to give you space if there's anything else you feel called to share before we leave each other. I would just encourage everyone that is a parent of a medically complex or disabled child to look into the laws of that their state has, see if this is available, if it's not. And if they feel strongly about it, they should look into advocating. And also something that I'll just add, because this is like something that is always on my heart, is to just like find your community. That has helped me the most in this, like in this whole journey is just, you know, when you first get your child's diagnosis, it kind of feels like you're hit by a bus and you're left on this deserted island all by yourself. And it's like life altering, honestly. But if you can go out and you can find groups, if you look up hashtags, like Benjamin was first diagnosed with microcephaly. I looked up hashtag microcephaly on Instagram and I found other parents that had children with microcephaly. That has been the most helpful thing for me. Any parent that reaches out to me, I'm like, I'm so glad that you found me. So, I mean, that can go for getting your child's diagnosis in general, or also, I mean, Finding groups that are advocating for this and everything, whether you like, like I said, if you go on a Facebook group and you, and you start searching and asking, how can we advocate for this? And how can we get this in our state and everything? It's just finding your community is just so helpful. So helpful, especially when you are a parent of a medically complex or disabled child. I couldn't agree more. Community is the key to everything in my opinion and definitely in this space and I've heard it over and over again so thank you for bringing that into this conversation and yeah thank you for sharing your story and Benjamin's story and you know, we appreciate you thank you for having me and thank you just thank you for all of this I couldn't be more grateful thank you for listening to the Unforgotten Families podcast a driver for change powered by Team Select Home Care Be sure to follow us on our social media channels at The Unforgotten Families on Facebook and Instagram as we continue to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of medically fragile families. We will see you on the next episode.